not act like political parties have during the election seasons. We don't shout, we don't scream, we don't holler. Uh, we stay polite and quiet. And we ask for no applause or cheering or anything like that. At the end of the entire event, you may applaud if you wish then. Um, I also have the standard reminder about turning off your electronic devices, your telephones that beep and hum and buzz. And although we allow photography, we ask for no flash photography because we are videotaping this and flashes will disrupt the size of setting the candidates possibly and upsets the videotaping. We videotape these events because we then post them for viewing on our website so that people who are unable to come today are still able to participate in listening to the candidates. Um, and that's, oh, questions. How to do the questions. I think that, that my, my, my volunteers have been passing out cards. We have cards and pencils. So he's holding up one of the cards to show you. If you want to ask a question, rather than blurting it out or trying to pass around the microphone, we ask you to write the question on a card, and then the cards are given to Louise Anderson from Oakland, who's also here to help us, and myself, and we review them, make sure they're legible, make sure they're not duplicates. So don't take it personally if we don't immediately run up to the moderator and hand off your question. He, we know what questions he already has set out, and we won't duplicate questions, and we won't ask personal questions if you want to ask somebody, what makes you think you're so hot that you can run for office, keep it to yourself because we're not going to ask them that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the, then the, the questions get passed up and asked that way. I think that's just about all I need to say. Our moderator today is Preston Jordan, who's a member of the Berkeley League. Oh, I almost forgot to thank Oakland. Thank you to the Oakland League. We have volu two volunteers here from the Oakland League helping out today and the BART and AC Transit Districts do overlap into Oakland, so it's, it's their event also. Uh, okay, our moderator today is Preston Jordan, who is a, a League member, uh, lives in Albany, and is somewhat of an expert on transportation, so good luck. Thank you, Preston. Well, I'm not sure about that. I'm, I'm an amateur enthusiast, I think I might say. So welcome candidates, welcome audience, thank you very much. AC Transit at Large uh, Candidate Forum. For those of you who might not know which forum is coming first, we'll also be doing a part of this free candidate forum later this afternoon. And the forum will open with a two-minute introduction by each candidate where they can introduce themselves to the audience, uh, lay out their goals should they be elected. And if they can also discuss how they themselves get around the Bay Area, that would be helpful for the audience to understand their personal uh, experiences and various transportation systems in the Bay Area. That will be followed by questions that are prepared by the league. Uh, each candidate will have one minute to answer each question, and we will alternate which candidate answers each question first. That will be followed by questions from the audience, as selected by the, the question selectors, as you just heard. And uh, then we'll have two minutes for closing statements from each candidate, and that will be in the reverse order of the opening statements. And uh, we ask each candidate focus on the issues and their take on the issues and their votes should they be elected or what they choose to pursue. Um, should a candidate happen to stray into the territory of making negative comments about the other candidate, then I will uh, give the other candidate time to respond to that, and that time will come out of the 
last time. Um, so with that, uh, candidate Jones, if you would please start off and go ahead and introduce yourself and your experience and your hopes. You are, and you can use the microphone there. I mean, I'm sorry, I see you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Testing, testing, good. Everyone can hear me? Well, good afternoon. And thank you, League of Women Voters, Oakland, Emeryville, Albany, and Berkeley. I've driven in all those cities. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. My name is Darlene C. Jones, and I'm a former bus driver of AC Transit 21 years. I'm running for the at-large seat. And the reason why I'm running is because I was also one of the bus drivers on the Bay Bridge the day of the Loma Prieta earthquake. I was on the sea route. And I went to reach for the phone to ask AC Transit what to do and tell them where we were located. And that phone went busy. There was no two-way communication for the rest of the evening. We had to wait for supervisors to come directly to the buses and tell us what to do. So, that system is sort of still in place today. There's a little gray box next to the fare box, and it's called an orbital system. And AC Trends is able to text each bus. But in today's time, the law is there is no texting and driving, so the driver cannot text back. Correct? We don't want the drivers breaking the law. So, thank you for having me and coming out. Good afternoon, and thank you to the League of Women Voters. Valdim um, and I have done a bunch of these, um, and it's always very helpful to have more than 30 seconds to say what you need to say. Um, my name is Chris Peoples. I am one of your three, or sometimes four, um, elected AC Transit directors. I am at large. There is one other at large director who represents everybody in the district. And then everybody has somebody, a ward director. Uh, for you folks in Berkeley, if you live in the north end, it's Greg Harper, who will be up a little later. Or, sorry, Joe Wallace. If you live on the south end, it's um, Greg Harper, who will be up a little later. Um, I've been on the board for 18 years. Uh, 18 years ago, I gave up my car. I go everywhere I go in the world on public transit. I can talk to you about public transit in a great many places. and how to get there and how difficult it is. I spend a whole lot of time at AC Transit worrying about our finances. Um, unfortunately, we only get about 14% of our revenue from the repair box. We get the rest of it from a potpourri of different sources, and I've worked on every one of them. Um, I've gone to Sacramento, I've gone to Washington, I've worked on the parcel tax measures in Alameda and comes across the county, I've worked on the sales tax measures. I also spend a lot of time worrying about the cleanliness of our fleet. Um, we have primarily a diesel fleet. It's 98% cleaner than when I started in particulate matter, about 90% cleaner in uh, oxides of nitrogen, which is what produces smog. We have the largest fuel cell fleet in North America, second largest in the world, all grant funded, so it doesn't take out of anything. So I would in my tenure, five times, my fellow board members have elected me president of the board. I'm currently president of the board. 
and I would like to continue doing the work I've been doing. Thank you. Thank you for those statements. First question goes to Kennedy Peoples, and this is actually turned out to be somewhat of a follow-up on the statement that you just made. Uh, you mentioned that 14% of AC Transit's operating revenue comes from fares that patrons pay. And so the question is, what is your perspective on that percentage uh, with regard to balancing both the financial sustainability of the system versus the affordability of the system for patrons? Yeah, it's hard. 70% um, of our riders are either very low or extremely low income. That's 30% or 50% of area median income. That means they don't have a whole lot of money. And as we all know, the income inequality has been getting worse and worse and worse. When we took over from the key system in 1960, we could pay our operating expenses, not the capital, but our operating out of the fair lines. That was because our riders were making about as much as our operators. That's no longer true. We only have two sources of, of money that we control. One is fares, the other is parcel taxes. Every time we try to raise fares, we get a lot of pushback, legitimate pushback, from people who have great difficulty affording our fares. So, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate situation, but it's one that we live with. Same question? Same question. Thank you. Well, we do have great many financial crises at AC Transit. Um, a lot of people have been telling me that they don't want their bus fares to go up. Then a lot of people say, I don't want the taxes to go up. So we are definitely at an impasse. And transportation is changing. We all know about Uber and Lyft. They're coming into the fold. And if my, one of my recommendations is gonna be if we're gonna to head towards just different transportation, modes of transportation, people need to pay their share as well into the same pot of people who will be utilizing the services. 15 seconds. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the next question goes to candidate Jones to start with. Um, oftentimes, buses that are operating in general traffic tend to bunch up, so it's hard for them to stay on schedule. And that seems to occur for reasons that are fundamentally outside the control of the driver in terms of traffic conditions, picking up passengers, dropping off passengers. Uh, do you have any ideas what could be done to help drivers that are on such routes to be able to stay on schedule given these fundamental issues that they contend with? Yes, I have plenty of ideas. However, today, I am not going to disclose them. The ideas I've disclosed before have been used, and other people have been getting credit for them. So yes, I have plenty of ideas how not to bunch our buses and the scheduling and planning department is an integral part of my ideas. So thank you. This, this is a, a worldwide problem. It isn't just AC Transit, it is in the it's all over the world. And it's particularly acute where you have good service, where you have fairly frequent service. The most extreme solution is what we're doing on East 14th, 
the bus rapid transit system where the bus gets its own lane and therefore does not need to contend with competing traffic except some cross traffic. There are many solutions that we're working on, for example, on the 51 on University and all the way around the, the 51 that we have done on the 72, where you put various elements of the RT in place without taking a whole lane, but for example, you put bus bulbs so it becomes easier for the bus to pick up and discharge passengers. They don't have to pull in and out of traffic. You have the buses talk to the lights. We're doing this, we started that on the, the 72 route, doesn't work very well there. What we're doing on International is just much a more modern version of that technology. Bunch of stuff we can do. Thank you, thanks. Uh, question goes to uh, candidate people to start with. This actually, you touched on this next question, which is what is the interaction between AC Transit and the cities and jurisdictions that control the routes along which AC Transit operates? Uh, how do you feel that interaction's gone in the past? What are your hopes for the future? Um, it's gone poorly in the past, and it's getting a whole lot better. Um, we have 13 cities, nine unincorporated areas, two counties, and a bunch of our major routes are controlled by Caltrans. So the, uh, the, the politics of all that is pretty delicate. Um, I think more and more, the cities are realizing that we're an integral part of their transportation solution. And ACTC, which are the people who collect the Hessian sales tax, are pressuring the cities a whole lot to cooperate with more with AC Transit. The prime example of this working really well is the city of Alameda. They set up a transportation commission, so we got somebody to talk to. There is a, um, a liaison committee where the mayor and a couple of council members and three AC Transit board members get together every quarter. The main advantage of that is the staff calls each other beforehand and figures out what they have to get off the table before the politicians start to deal with it. Yes. The question is the different cities that AC Transit in their relationship. Well, on this campaign trail, that question has been posed to me several times. And I had the pleasure of meeting a woman named Lori Manuel. She's running for Fremont City Council. When I drove out in Fremont, I saw that when AC Transit cut the service in 2009, that the city of Fremont lost the most service and the children can't get to school and everyone's carpooling and it's just extremely difficult just like the seniors that live up in the Berkeley Hills, El Cerrito Hills, Kensington Hills their service has also been cut, their service and I say all of the cities we need to have a town meetings at the schools on the school level to meet the people who have been deprived of their service, AC Transit. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the uh, next question goes to you, Candidate Jones, to start with. Uh, how, if you're elected, how would you balance the advantages and disadvantages of having a fleet of buses that has a lot of different types of buses to 
fit them uniquely to specific rounds versus having more standardized bus fleet, which would save on maintenance costs. Exactly. AC Transit, when I started in 1989, had six different types of buses. We had to be trained on all six different types of buses. We need more uniformity in, in that, uniformity in that area. Uh, the mechanic staffs, as you know, the mechanics along with some of the um, foremen have advised me to, they said things like, we need to have just either one bus or either like a couple of buses that we can all train in a journey level program, AC Transit as a journeyman level program of training. And they noticed one thing when the Van Hool buses were purchased, that none of the mechanics had prior training on how to fix the Van Hool buses before they were trained. They came into the fleet. So I guess that's how some of the buses stay unrepaired because people aren't well trained. So yes, we need to have just a couple of buses that are different from them, not six. Thank you. Um, we're, we're working towards standardizing the fleet, but the problem is, is our service isn't standardized. Uh, we've started some flex route service in the Casper Valley Hills and in, in York. That's using a 16-passenger van conversion. Um, on International, on San Pablo, with the loads that we have, we need an Artec. That's the bus that bends in the middle. That's a 60-foot bus, 39,000 pounds, pretty big bus. Um, for our Transbay work, we've just ordered some double-deckers. Uh, they see 80 people. Um, they will begin to take some of the, the pressure off BART, not a whole lot, but at least some. The bulk of our fleet is 40 footers, the sort of standard bus that you see all over the place. Now, most of those are coming from Gilead. But under federal and state purchasing rules, we have to buy the low bid. So for a while, we were getting nappies, and we've done other things. Very much. This next question goes to Canada Peoples to start with. This is, marks the transition to the questions from you, the audience. Thank you for submitting these. Uh, the questioner asks The advantage of AC and buses over BART is that they are point to point, meaning that they are started and closer to people's destinations typically. Can you talk about what coordination there is between AC and BART to smooth that connection essentially? Yeah. Um, Buses aren't really point-to-point. -point. Uber and Lyft is point-to-point. -point. Buses are somewhere in between. BART has a station about every two miles, um, and very, very large capacity, but doesn't get close to a whole lot of people. Our relationship used to be terrible. Um, under previous directors and under the previous general manager, Many years ago, I set up a liaison committee uh, between BART directors and AC Transit directors. It sort of fell into disrepair. Then when Greg was the president of the board, he revived it. We now meet regularly with the BART directors, with three BART directors. Um, some of the BART directors were openly hostile to AC Transit. 
have moved on to other things, like Rescue Rail. Um, and we have a number of art directors who are very sympathetic and understand how we work together with them. So that relationship is getting a whole lot better. Thank you. That's a very, very good question. Whoever wrote that question. The relationship and with BART and AC Transit, to me personally, is from 1997, when BART had its first strike. And AC Transit was called into action to pick up those people from BART to take them to San Francisco. Now, since 1997, we've had two more BART strikes. If there's never a need for AC Transit to show up and show out, it is during a BART strike. We need our relationship with BART to be on point every time, every day, until they get their new cars, because the system is 44 years old. Now, AC Transit has disrepaired buses, and there's a BART strike. Uber and Lyft can't pick up every one. As we go forward, no matter who wins these elections, to me, that relationship needs to be so solidified that we are one to the public that we serve. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next question goes to Kennedy Jones to start with. And I'm actually going to combine two of the audience questions here. Um, one is how can AC Transit increase ridership? And the other is if you are elected, uh, what new service would you like to pursue? Okay, just say the first one. Sure, sorry about that. That's okay. The first is uh, how can AC Transit increase its ridership? And I'm connecting that, you know, somewhat connected to is there a new service that you would like AC Transit to pursue? Okay, increasing the ridership. To me, that's a marketing question. There's a lot more competition going on in today's time. It is just not the taxi cab, it is not calling grandma. It is not just hopping on BART. People are busy, BART is overcrowded. People need to think more outside of the box. And the competition with a, 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 a person going to a car dealership, purchasing a car, uh, with the maintenance cost of all of that, we have a lot of people in debt, so they ride the bicycles. The second question was, how do I... What service would you what, what service would I provide? Well, yeah, what, if there's a new service you have in mind that you would Well, a new service, Mr. Peoples mentioned the Castro Valley Flex Service. If I was a board of director currently, I would not have just started that flex service in one city. And I have to stop talking because I ran out of time. So thank you. Um, yeah. There's a whole lot of academic research on this. It's really clear that the way you increase ridership is you increase service. There's a lot of research that was done, Wall Street stole the world in 2008. As a result, stuff rolls down and local transit agencies got cut all around the United States. And we lost a lot of ridership. What's clear from the research is we didn't lose ridership and then cut service is that we cut service and then lost the ridership. So there's a lot of research out there that people want service that's frequent and that's fast. 
And so the more we can deliver that with things like BRT or BRT Lite, the better off we are. I would, I've been working for about the past 10 years to do some kind of dollar and stuff. Um, trying to wait till the technology was there that we could do it without the outrageous cost that Dollaride normally costs. And we're experimenting in a couple of areas and hopefully we'll roll it out in others. Thank you very much. And we're coming to the final question after which you'll have an opportunity to make a closing statement. So this next question will go to Candidate Peoples to start with. Uh, how are AC Transit directors paid? Is there a salary? Are they paid by the meeting? What is that? Thank you very much. Um, AC Transit directors, it's all statutory. AC Transit directors get $1,000 a month. Um, there's a complicated scheme that if you, if you miss a certain number of meetings, you lose some money. If you miss more meetings, you lose all the money. Um, we have the same benefits as the ex executive staff. They have I normally wear a single payer now but I get my health care through AC Transit. Uh, we are statutorily prohibited from having a pensioner in annuity. So all of our employees have a pension, we don't. Um, and we get a small travel budget, which we use, they call it travel, but we use it for everything from subscribing to newspapers and newsletters and, and joining things like Spur, um, et cetera. Um, what was the answer? Um, that was it. Okay, yeah. Well, in my research for this election, I discovered that AC Transit's um, monthly salary has gone up off of a thousand dollars. It is a thousand one hundred and forty-one and some change. So they gave themselves a raise during this last four years. No? no? Entirely statutory. Well, there is an inflation figure in the statute. According to my candidate information that I received from the Board of Registrar's Office, it went from 1,000 to 1141. And everything else is remains for me to be seen because I haven't been elected yet. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so now we'll go to the closing statements. And as stated, we'll go over the reverse order of the opening statements. So, candidate people, if you would lead off. You have two minutes. All right. Um, again, thank you very much um, to the League of Women Voters, to all of you for coming, to all of to, um, the, the folks out there back there, um, to Ken for recording this as he records half the things that go on in the Bay Area. And to those of, and to those of you watching at home. Um, as I said when I began, I've been doing this for 18 years. I retired from the practice of law five years ago, and now I do this full time. And as a result, I've been endorsed by the Sierra Club, the League of Conservation Voters, the Democratic Party in Alameda and Contra Costa County, the Central Labor Council in Alameda and Contra Costa County, um, Eric Swalwell, Mark Desonier in Congress. I got to know Mark when he was chair of the Transportation Committee in Sacramento as a state senator, and he remarked on how effective I always was. Lonnie Hancock, your state senator, and a vast plethora of local elected officials. Because I work with them all the time. I hustle them for money, I hustle them for support, and I keep them informed about 
what AC Transit is doing and get their feedback and their constituent feedback. We've got a lot more work to do. Uh, we hired a new general manager last year, uh, one of the best things we've done in years. We had a period of instability for about four or five years, which is difficult on us, difficult on our employees, and you know, coincided with when Wall Street stole the world. So we went through a very long process, interviewed people from all around the country, and ended up hiring a guy from VTA in San Jose. And he's been great. And so I hope to continue working with him and support him, and continue the work I've been doing, both advocating for AC Transit at all levels of government, making sure our planning processes work and are public and transparent, and keeping up with all our clean fuel side. Yes, thank you, League of Women Voters, once again, and everyone participating in the audience. I'm Darlene Jones, a former driver of 21 years. I see things from a new perspective, from a different perspective. There are a lot of people who want to see AC Transit not go off the map. They're out there telling me that BART is increasing service, while you guys have strong service. And they're saying, well, we paid our share. We paid our share of sales tax. Where is our service? I've been endorsed early by the East Bay Stonewall Democratic Club. I've been endorsed by Bawapa, the Black Woman of Political Action, along with the Honorable Javanka Beckles in the city of Richmond, city councilwoman, and also the Green Party, an organization in San Francisco called Evolve. We have many, many works to do at AC Transit. There are a lot of many different possibilities. I can't wait to work with the BART board and do some new, innovative things. Thank you for coming out, and thank you for having me. demonstrated by your passing the microphone back and forth. Um, I'm certainly, obviously, passionate about democracy, as is the lead, which is why I'm a member. And uh, democracy works best when there are diverse voices, diverse opinions expressed, so that society can consider among them, which is the best way to go. I want to thank the audience for attending and doing so respectfully. And I thank the Berkeley uh, Chinese Community Church. You can still register to vote if you're not registered yet. I registered vote through Monday, October 24th, which is a week from Monday. And you can still request a mail-in ballot from the Alameda County Registrar. And that is through Tuesday, uh, um, November 1st, I believe, you can request that ballot. There are at least four ways to submit your ballot now. So you have many options of how to vote. Uh, you can vote by mail. If you get a vote by mail ballot, you can drop off your vote by mail ballot either at Albany City Hall. There's a secure ballot box that's open 24-7. And there's a secure ballot box at the Civic Center in Brookdale, Millia. I see you can also vote in person. You can vote in person now at the registrar's office in downtown um, uh, Oakland. And you can vote in person, obviously, on November 8th if you are a traditionalist like myself. <laughs> uh, you can find the information that you need to inform your vote at votersedge.org. And we invite people to join the League of Brookley, Albany, and Emeryville. Uh, the first year is free currently, so get it while you can. 
And we'd love to have you join in. And I want to again thank the candidates so much for running. That's what makes democracy work. Thank you very much. Thank you.